1: Can you see, yeah, did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! moment's notice, Adamsley.
2: I don't I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing
3: to the Canucks.
1: Robot,
3: my Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted him in and down. Wow, really? we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist
2: bump
0: you right now.
1: Burrell steals, cutting in, shoots, no!
3: Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber and thank you for joining us this week for episode 85 of the Canucks Conversation. Coming in now, my co-host David Quadrelli just whooped him on his home course in the golf, uh, in a pitch and putt golf course. Quads, how you feeling after that uh, ass kicking?
2: You know what, that was like the worst game of golf I've played in a very <laughs> long time. Uh, you were kicking me while I was down, which I didn't appreciate. You also told people it was my home course and then threw the name of the course out. And I'm like, Chris, I don't want to tell people where I live, man. So I had to ask you to delete that tweet. I was driving, too, and I just saw it. And then somebody was like, oh, I like somebody replied and was like, oh, I know where this is. I'm like, thanks a lot, Chris.
3: <laughs> I I did play a good game. I told you before we started, like my first round of the year is always one of my best ones, uh, and I definitely had a good one, like a nice chip in for birdie. Uh, just played an overall pretty good round. I was pretty happy with that. I can't say the same for you. I know you had a couple mulligans as well.
2: Listen, nobody wants to hear about our <laughs> golf game. Okay, you can take them through each shot of yours. Tell them about all your chip in birdies and all the other stuff you did. All that all I'm going to say is we got paired up with two guys and they were smoking marijuana and drinking beer and it <laughs> threw me off man. I was fine until the third hole when they pulled that stuff out then I then I fell apart. So I'm just going to say that.
3: Okay, that's that's a decent excuse. Yeah, the, that was an interesting uh, duo that we got paired up yeah, with as well. Yeah, it was. course. First time I've had to have been paired up into a foursome. Uh, on a pitch and putt course, but man, there was a lot of people looking out there to get golfing. So, oh uh, yeah, gosh. we won't talk about that too much more. I just wanted to make sure that's on the record and at the start of the episode so people listen to that. But, um, uh, I just want to quickly address this. We do have some construction going on outside my house here. Uh, it might ruin a little bit of the audio. I hope that we can get through this. It should be an okay episode. I've done a couple tests, uh, and it hasn't affected it yet. So we, uh, just warning you guys if it does happen throughout this episode. But, uh, we have a lot to talk about quads. There's a lot of news and it seems like right before we're about to record, Uh, There seems to be a little bit more news every single week, um, which is good for us because it makes us get a little bit of a live reaction to it. Uh, The most recent stuff coming now from Bob McKenzie reporting that, you know, some players have tested positive. Uh, It's in a hot spot of the United States. It's in Tampa Bay is what Bob McKenzie is reporting. Um, What are your initial thoughts? I mean, like I said, this is kind of live happening right now. People aren't going to hear this till Saturday, but we're hearing this. Basically 30 minutes after this tweet comes out from Bob McKenzie. So what are your kind of initial thoughts when you hear about this news?
2: My initial thoughts are, wow, that sucks. And I don't know if you saw this. Jeff Peson, I think, uh, reported like five minutes ago that the Toronto Blue Jays have had someone that has COVID-like symptoms and they have also shut down their training facility, which is like, oh. I think, an eight-minute drive or something. It's, it's close to where the Phillies is. Um, and the Phillies are the organization that shut down their um, training facility earlier this week. I think, yeah, earlier this week or, yeah, something like that. And, I mean, this isn't just happening in hockey. Like, this is serious and it's happening in all the other sports as well. So, I mean, you know, my initial thoughts, I guess, are at what point does it become like, okay, maybe this thing is bigger than we thought. And no matter how many precautions we take, if we set people up in Florida there's going to be problems so like man i i don't know i i really don't know
3: yeah and the other hot spot that we kind of heard about was a radio host and all sports radio host was mentioning that some players in Arizona uh have tested positive as well and i mean those are two of the biggest hot spots i just saw cam robinson tweet out uh something about the the amount of cases uh that we saw today in florida Uh, yesterday was a record that they've had, uh, for the most, and it's kind of grown over the past four days. They've had four of their biggest days for, for confirmed cases of COVID. I mean, it seems like a bad time to get back. And, you know, you kind of just said it there, but I mean, looking back at look at the, like the way that we've discussed this and how it's affecting sports. I still remember when we were live in the studio and found out that the NBA was canceled, we were thinking that this wasn't going to be a big deal. I wonder if people are doing the same with the return to play for sports because, you know, I think a lot of people underestimated what COVID was going to be like. Uh, We're starting to see that second wave come in right now, and and I'm starting to wonder, you know, like, how many cases until we actually start to really think about this season being scrapped because we saw how they were going to do it. It seemed like an effective way to keep players safe, but immediately we're finding out that players aren't, able to, you know, stay safe already without even returning to what they want to get to with a Phase 4. I mean, if they're struggling in Phase 2, I don't know how this is going to kind of shape out to get to Phase 4 in training camps uh, in Phase 3 as well.
2: You're exactly right. And here's the thing, man. Phase 3 training camps start in two weeks. Two weeks from today, on July mm-hmm. 10th. So, maybe it's a little more than two weeks. But you know what I mean? It's close. It's around the corner. <laughs> um, this is going to be a problem that the league has to deal with. And, I mean, you've still got players in Sweden, like, like, I can't say who's agent, but somebody from the Canucks, a Swedish player's agent, has said, "Listen, my client doesn't know where to go. Like, he doesn't know if he's going to be going to the states or if he's going to go to Canada because that two-week quarantine, uh, mandatory quarantine from anybody coming outside the country uh, to Canada, is is tough on these players. Like, they're not going to do it. Um, you know, like a player like a Jacob Markstrom and an Elias Pettersson aren't going to come. Oh, I guess Louis Erickson too aren't going to and Fattenberg. <laughs> Aren't gonna. No, I'd lose in Vancouver. Uh, Okay, you get it. But those players aren't gonna come from skating almost every day in Sweden and getting into game shape and ready for a grueling training camp. Travis has said like this is gonna be a grueling training camp. Everybody knows that this is gonna be a camp where if you're out of shape, there is tough lineup decisions to be made. And those line decisions are practically going to be made for the coaching staff if you show up out of shape, if you're skating in Group C, hint, hint, Jake Furtanen at the start of the year. But that being said, that being said, I want to say that I have it on very good intel that Jake Furtanen is in very,
3: very good shape right now. Interesting. I wonder where you got that intel from. But uh, maybe we'll get into that later on. But that's, that's another thing. I mean, with the training camps, that was something that we wanted to kind of discuss on this episode. I know we tweeted out that we wanted to say, like, how difficult training camp was going to be, but it seems like right now, you know, with the news that just recently came out, the, the discussion has to be turned to how difficult is it going to be just to get to training camp, right? I mean, phase three was the, the way that the NHL planned it out. Phase three was to return to training camps. The Canucks kind of had it, you know, that they were going to return in under a month, like you mentioned, close to two weeks, uh, three weeks, I guess from now is what it would look like, but that, that just seems like when, when these little things come out about, you know, something happening in the Toronto Blue Jays organization, the Philadelphia Phillies having a shutdown, you know, looking at that they had multiple reports of confirmed cases in Tampa Bay that there's these rumors about these uh, Arizona Coyotes players. Like, this this seems like, it, like a lot of people expected this to happen, right? Like, a lot of people were saying, like, I don't know if you can go back to just jumping right into playing sports. We're seeing it... Somehow, and I'm curious, and I haven't really looked into it enough But, you know, the fact that the British Premier League is coming back And the Bundesliga is coming back I don't think I've heard too much about cases happening I don't know if you have
2: No, no, I I haven't heard anything from those leagues either And so, Germany, so Germany, that, Germany got that, hit that pretty hard me.
3: Yeah, that's right And I mean, like, that's the biggest thing that I see about it is We're seeing the numbers in the United States skyrocket And, of course, you know, like This, this wasn't a good situation for the United States two weeks ago Um, But we're starting to see the numbers now jump up where it's just like, you know, Florida's having record numbers, Arizona's having record numbers. I don't know if there's any other huge hotspots around there, but I've seen some other states and and a couple maps that I've seen tweeted out that, you know, these numbers aren't decreasing like they are in Vancouver, right? I mean, these numbers are starting to skyrocket. We're seeing a second wave kind of earlier than we thought we would see. And I know that a big question was going to be what it's going to be like in the fall, right? When flu season comes around, how many people are going to be getting sick then? Because right now this is when people are, you know, in a lot of, I guess, more healthy, right? They're outside. Like the sun's going to be able to keep the cold away for a lot of people. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to try to get into this too much, but, but I mean, like the COVID COVID second wave was supposed to be in the fall, but just the way that we've seen some places, not, pay attention to the restrictions that should be followed like we did in Vancouver and Vancouver and BC in general just did an amazing job of it. But there's a lot of places around the world that didn't do that. And a lot of them are in the United States where a lot of these teams and players are going to return to play. So I wonder if the training camp situation almost needs to be in the hub city, like, cause if you're going back into in Tampa Bay or anywhere in Florida, like when the Panthers return or when Arizona coyotes start to return, these places are getting crazy numbers coming in on the daily. I mean Vancouver's numbers I think I saw the other day it was just 8 new cases. Before that there was a couple days with zero cases reported like These are the type of places where players can be okay to return to play, but even if the government done by the United States is saying like, oh, we're ready to open up certain things, we're ready to move forward on a lot of stuff, they clearly aren't. I mean, these numbers that we're seeing are just absolutely ridiculous, and forcing these players to come back into this is the exact reason why, like a month ago, I was so against this, because I didn't think that there was a safe way to do it. I didn't think that there was a full-on safe way that you could bring back these players without having to risk them towards this virus. And we're seeing right now that obviously some of these teams think that they can do it and they obviously can't. So that's the thing that's scaring me. And I mentioned this before we started recording. Like I don't know if I'm full on back into that camp of of scrapping this season. But if we hear much more news about this over the coming weeks, I'm I'm definitely gonna start leaning back more into that camp and and thinking that, you know, I'd rather the players be safe and I'd rather them be healthy and return into your return back next year to play and it sucks because now we saw the play-in format how it's going to work we kind of have like a taste of the playoffs here in front of us but in the end I just want these players to be healthy man I know that a lot of players are going to struggle with this and I know that a lot of players right now are currently struggling with it we're seeing kind of whispers in the media we're seeing whispers from people saying that you know they're kind of scared to go back we saw the story about the Canucks players that are about to have their children this summer I mean this is a this is a situation that we've just never seen before and it scares the living hell out of me, man, honestly. You know what
2: camp I'm definitely starting to be in is don't make Vancouver a hub city. Don't bring your COVID cases here. Like if there's place these guys are in the states right now, right? And they're getting hit hard. And they're talking about bending the 2-week quarantine and don't get me wrong, I trust Bonnie Henry a lot. Like I think she's, you know, it's not even an opinion. She has done a great job handling this, and there's a reason that we have such low cases. Uh, It's in her demeanor. It's in the way she presents all of the information that she has and all of the other stuff she's done. It's it's awesome. And again, like you and I said, what was it? I think we said if Bonnie's down, I'm down, and we were gonna put that on t-shirts. Like a couple weeks ago, we said that, and I mean, I'm still (laughs) in that camp. I'm still in that camp. Don't get me wrong, but man, when we like, this is our backyard, right? Like we live here. And if you're bringing that many people in and there's even a tiny bit of a risk, which there is like, I'm not so sure. Cause again, like I, I don't know. Cause it, it, there's two sides of the coin, right? Like I understand that it's a mil- billion dollar organization. They're going to be extremely careful with their players and make sure that nothing goes wrong. But so at at some point, it becomes out of their control, right? And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Like, you know, what else could the league have done to prevent this, other than shutting down, right? Like, I I don't know. Like, maybe don't have camps in Florida, but then what do you do with the Florida teams? Like, it's it's tough, man. It's really tough.
3: Well, it is, and I mean, I think of places like seeing seeing the Toronto Maple Leafs go back and, and you know get back on the ice and get back into Toronto. And just skating with each other and stuff like... And, you know, we saw a video of the of the Canucks. I saw Lou Cheech and Chris Tana skating together on the news a few weeks... Or about mm. a week ago or so. And, Stetcher. and And Stetcher as well, that's right. And just, like, Vancouver seems like a safe place to do it. These hub cities are there for a reason, right? To protect these players. But you need to have them you know, safe and well, just to be able to be able to protect them for the playoff run or these playing games. And if you're going to put them and force them to come, I don't know if they're forcing them to come back to these cities and in Tampa Bay and and Arizona and, and, you know, other situations where they're having problems with this. But we saw the video that the Tampa Bay lightning put out of all those guys coming back on the jet skis. And, you know, the boys are back in town like that. That would have been great. But I, I just think like when that video came out, I'm thinking like, yeah, but is this a safe thing to do for players to come back into Florida who just have done a horrible job (laughs) at trying to contain this virus? I look at places like... Exactly. And places like New York, places like Toronto, places like a lot of Ontario as well. Like they haven't done a a job like Vancouver has. Or, you know, I keep saying Vancouver, but it's BC wide. BC's done an incredible job. Alberta at the same time, their numbers have been pretty good as well. So like big shout out to those two people. They've done a great job of containing this virus and setting it up for this to be a possibility, right? For players to return to play, return to training camp, and that's phase two. But for me, like Vancouver's one of the only cities that has an NHL team that is okay to move into phase two, but we're seeing other people move into this phase two when they're just not ready. And that's the only thing that scares me. Like it, I'm seeing them do this and I'm wondering, like we, start, we heard bill Daly say, you know, they're not going to cancel for one guy getting this virus. Hmm. It's, it's, well, now we've seen more than one guy, get, you know, get this virus. And we've heard rumors that there are more. So when are they going to kind of address this situation? Because you can't bring players back to play with this. I mean, it's, If it's looming at all, players in the union should not be allowing their players to come back and play. I don't think, and I want to see. I want to see hockey more than anyone, man. I want to see it more than anybody in the world. Like I want to see this team repairing. Like we've done so many breakdowns of this wild series that they have coming up against the Vancouver Canucks, but it's it's got to be about safety in the end, and it just seems like that's not what's going on.
2: Somebody should probably let Bill Daly know that when one person gets the virus and they're around other people, those people are probably going to get the virus as well. Somebody should just let him know just so that's, he's aware because maybe he
3: just idea. doesn't know. No. Oh, I mean, like, I don't know. And it's funny because like, we wanted to talk about how difficult this was going to be for players just to adjust to training camp because it was going to be a struggle in the first place for guys to return to play and return to this, but we don't even have to get to that point, man. Like, it's already at a point where we need to discuss how much of a struggle it is just to get to the phase three of training camp because they're struggling through phase two right now. I mean, that's the thing that I just yeah. want to count back to this. It's like, man, there are places that are ready for it. Like, I wonder when we do see some of those Swedes come back to Vancouver and, you know, mm-hmm. when they get their two-week uh, isolation. And I know that you said they could waive that, but I mean – you know, get these guys, you know, settled in to Vancouver before we start to move to that point. There's a lot of other players that have gone back home and are going to have to return through borders and crossing back to cities in the United States, and that scares me. Like, what if, what if Florida moving into phase three, and you're asking these players to come back in there when we're seeing numbers skyrocket and record numbers every single day? What if that continues on? But the NHL is like, okay, well, we're we're going to try and start this playing series. You guys better get back over here to come play. Like. How could you force a player to do that and put him into that situation? So they really need to rethink what they're doing here with this return to play thing. I think.
2: Uh, yeah, and especially like players at high risk because I've heard the argument that like, oh, these are athletes; they'll be fine. These are young right. athletes in prime health; they'll be fine. Dude, what about Max Domi? Like, he's got diabetes. That's not good. That's like a complication to his health that makes him a high risk individual to have bad effects from COVID nineteen. So. Right. What do you tell him? Like, I, I, Is it I don't Capo know.
3: Caco as well? I saw a story about him this week, I think.
2: I haven't read anything about Kako.
3: I'm pretty sure he does as well. But I know that the, the New York's just been a mess trying to return to play oh and, and get gosh. players back on the ice. But they're trying to get their players out there You know, when the numbers in New York aren't great either. Like, There's not a lot of places that are fit for people to return to play right now. And they're getting them back into play, which has just been a horrible yeah. idea. Like We're seeing it in BC that it's like, okay... We're at that point right now. Where social distancing is okay if you're going to restaurants, you know, wash your hands consistently. But we're still seeing like maintain your social distance, keep doing that. You see that grocery stores, you see everywhere you go, they have those stickers on the ground. Yeah. But we're seeing that because we've been able to maintain a pretty good job of of restricting this virus and not spreading it. That's why we're at this point. Nowhere else in the in North America is at a similar spot than what we've done in British Columbia. I don't think.
2: No, I think you're right And man, honestly, can we just stop talking about the virus And training camps yes. like, We're going to have more news on this in a week And we're going to have to spend another 20 minutes we get, we got to talk about <laughs> the Carcillo stuff a little bit
3: Okay, yeah, I know that I've gone off a lot about the virus I know you're ready to go off about the Carcillo, Carcillo stuff um, And reporting about some of the rookie hazing And stuff like that So um, I, I know that you're passionate about this uh, yeah. And I wouldn't mind just kind of hearing you Give your take on it And I'll kind of react off of you, but
2: Okay, like, I was talking about this with my brother Okay using the word hazing in terms to describe what was happening and what's being what carcillo is bringing forward in this class action lawsuit that's very gracious because this goes far beyond hazing i'm not even going to get into details because this is a family show but you can go read the lawsuit for yourself and form your own opinions there's a lot of people on twitter right now um Getting into it And I don't You know Chris and I have both You know We've both talked about this Chris Like We don't like to talk about um, Other Drama In the media landscape On this podcast We don't talk about Other podcasts That try to stir up Drama And try and um, You know Start up controversies We don't We don't get into that We We're firm believers That we do things The right way And we don't um, We don't get into it With other media members And other um other podcasts we we don't like to do that but i'm sure a lot of you already know there's there's a certain radio host in the city who has said some pretty crazy stuff on air um and there's also a select few people who are backing those claims and saying oh you're you guys are so triggered about it but man if you if that's your take on this like man you're part of the problem like if a if a kid who's gone through this Sees those tweets or is listening to the radio You think he's going to come forward And talk about anything bad that's happened to him Like, come Mm. on It's just, man, like Again, this goes so far beyond hazing Like, this is, these are crimes That are being alleged here And, you know, obviously everybody's Innocent until proven guilty But to come out and have the take that Oh, Carcillo's the worst Of the worst when it comes to these Offenses, like, that's the point Man, like the, abuse, the abused become the abusers In this system And it's a vicious cycle That continues until somebody comes forward And breaks the cycle I know it's not as bad as it used to be I've been around junior hockey teams The Coquitlam Express had When I was there You could just tell the camaraderie that was there And the way they looked out for rookies And you could just tell And I was I was around the team a bit And you, you could just tell That things aren't the way they used to be But hockey still has that stuff. And I mean, it's just, you're, I feel like you're part of the problem. If you're, if your take on this is just, oh yeah, this is, this is, um, this is important. It still happens, but Carstool is the wrong guy to be doing it. Come right. on. Really? Is that, is that what we're going with? Like, is there a right and a wrong person to do this? I, man. And saying, I don't know. I, I honestly don't want to get into it, but you know, I try to avoid talking about this stuff as much as I can, but we both know that, you know what Carcillo is saying well, happens. Like he's not just yeah, making me Let me, this let me stuff take
3: up. it from you for a second here, because you you've done a really good job of explaining it. What we what you're saying there is what we don't want to get into is is the crap that you see on Twitter. That's the stuff that we don't want to get into. What we do wanna get into is this situation where, you know, people and children and kids and teens were abused and that's a thing that we don't think is okay. And I know that Dan Carcillo has a little bit of a past of being a guy who pops off about a lot of stuff. And you know what? A lot of the stuff that he's brought up is, is, you know, something that, that has not been discussed enough. But somebody has to come out here and take the bullets first, right? I mean, he's been that guy, I guess, for this kind of situation. Like, You know, I think of the story of Theo Fleury, right? He was one of the guys who came out and, and, you know, talked about being sexually assaulted by his coach at the time. I haven't read the book, but it is one that I, you know, if I do start reading books, that's gonna be one of the first ones that I will read. Um, but think about the heat that he took. You know, think about how much like times he took heat for the situation. I know that Carcillo's in a very different situation. He's come out and said a lot of things. He's gotten into it with the hockey crowd or the spit and chicklets group that we see out there. I mean, like they've they've had their battles in the past and stuff, but you mentioned it, like These, these, this should not be about him. This is a lawsuit that was filed, and we're seeing that the, what the things that they are talking about in this lawsuit are absolutely disgusting. It's abuse. It's not rookie hazing. I've, I've played football and baseball at very high levels. Rookie hazing for us was like the rookies have to clean up the cones at the end of practice. They have to pick up all the balls during batting practice. Yeah. That's the kind of things. Like on bus rides, we would make them sing embarrassing songs to keep us entertained. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, like, that's what rookie hazing is. You know, we had a training camp where rookies had to go up and do skits and make fun of the coaches and make fun of, the like, the captains on the team. That's like that's the, the kind of stuff that's fun rookie hazing. Exactly. This it's stuff like that Canucks we're seeing in this and, report.
2: Dice and Ice Gala. like How exactly. they make the rookies do that stuff. Like, it's all in good fun, and the rookies aren't, like, taking it in a way. Like, it's just... This goes so far beyond rookie hazing. And sorry to cut you off there, Chris, but... Go for it. It just goes so far beyond hazing. And people who... Oh, I, dude, like, Carcillo's one of the worst when it comes to this. And he's right. said that. But using that as your argument of why you're you're already taking a side on this and saying, Oh, well, Carcillo's, Carcillo's really bad about this. Like, he's, he's one of the worst abusers. Like, dude, he, we know that. He's said that. Like, he's said that so publicly and made it clear that he wants this cycle to stop because it's a vicious cycle. And I, I don't know, Chris. It's just, dude, like, the stuff I'm seeing on Twitter... Um, from certain people again, I will not say their names on this
3: show ever. Is disgusting, right? And one of the things that I've seen, and you bring up the Dan Carcillo situation. It's this is bigger than hockey, right? I mean, like my question is, when a guy comes out and says this, even though he's done it in the past. And he's okay to to say, you know, to apologize and try and make himself better and try and fix the problem. Like, how do you feel about someone come out and saying that? Because a lot of people say, you know, well, he still did it, right? He still did this to these people. He was still, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's come out about him being pretty racist as well to colored players around him. Um, but, you know, he, I think he's tried to own it a little bit, I think, in the end. Like, I, I know that this is a thing where maybe he won't change but it seems like he might be trying to change a little bit and trying to help fix a problem that's that's much bigger than just him and all the problems that he's dealt with this problem is huge i mean this is a problem with hockey i don't think it's changed i think that it's changed but i would not be surprised to see some of this still going on at all
2: yeah no and it does go on that's the thing like you're 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 choosing to be ignorant if you think that this just doesn't happen anymore like mm-hmm. i didn't see any of it when i was in the bchl right. but not playing, just for anybody who doesn't know that I don't play <laughs> high-level hockey. Um, when I was covering the BCHL, I didn't see anything. But again, would a reporter really see that? Like, I wasn't part of the team. That's um, true. So, I mean, I'm not here to say that this doesn't happen in the BCHL. From my, from what I've seen and from the players I've <laughs> talked to, I have no nothing to suggest that that would be happening behind the scenes. But again, like, it's just to to come out and say that to to pick a side, so yeah. so like right away and very publicly make it so you're on the side of the person getting accused with these horrible things because he's your buddy. Come on, like that's just man. And the thing is, like, I'm not even picking a side yet. I'm just right. I want to he- see what happens because these are some serious accusations. I want to see what happens here, like. Who, yeah, maybe maybe some of them are unfounded. Maybe that's the case. But to come out and say that that's probably the case because of the guy making the accusations, come on. It's just, that's it's just it's Bush League. It's Bush League, like for it's radio. It's basically,
3: yeah, coming out and doing that is basically saying this isn't a problem, you yeah. know? Like, this isn't a problem. We don't even want to hear you out. That's the problem that yeah. I have with the whole situation. And, and you, you said yeah. it perfectly there, Quads. I think you said, like, if you're going to come out and pick a side this early on... Especially the side that you're going on, too. Like, that is just ridiculous. It's, yeah, what you said, it's, it's, it's Bush radio, you know? It, it's yeah. too bad because uh, that's something that's going on right now in our Vancouver, one of the top two stations here that talk sports all day, and that's happening on it right now. So, yeah, pretty bad, pretty bad look, if you ask me. Uh, horrible look and horrible take um, to see on this radio station here. But
2: we, dude, let's you know. move on. Cut to break.
3: I can't yeah. even, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, you know what, quads? You know what I forgot to do? What? say that this show is brought to you by the great folks at parallel 49. I pulled the one out of your book there, Uh, but we are about to talk about parallel 49 here in the break. Uh, We'll come back on the other side. Um, I hope that we address these two things because we're going to talk a lot of hockey uh, on the other side, but these are two things that we wanted to talk about. Um, So let's, we're going to head to break here and we'll see you guys on the other side. We're going to discuss the only levy article that I worked on. We're going to talk about how bad the NHL lists are and I'm sure some other stuff as well. Uh, So we'll see you guys on the other side after these breaks. Hey guys, just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Parallel 49 Brewing. Check out them on social media all over the place at Parallel49Beer. And how does tequila barrel aged blackberry sage sour sound on any given day? I think it sounds pretty damn good. It's one of their newest beers that they just released. Just released this past Friday. Um, I'm excited to test this one out It's a cork and cage release available in their tasting room And through their online store for delivery If you guys haven't checked out the tasting room yet It's 1950 Triumph Street Or a lot of their information is available on their website as well And you can find all that information on their social media Like I mentioned earlier At Parallel49Beer So go out and try that And let me know if you get a chance to, uh, to sample this Blackberry Sage Sour Because just like all of Parallel's beers This one sounds delicious Zephyr Epic is Canada's source
2: for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code Canucks Convo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Fellas, Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth while you or your partner are playing with them. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0 with cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yes, you heard heard that right get 20 percent off and free shipping with promo code canucks at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code canucks make playing with your balls the best part of your day thanks
3: manscaped all right big shout out to our three sponsors parallel 49 beer uh zephyr epic who just sent us some more cards that's gonna be exciting to open up those in the future here and manscape quads how are your balls looking lately
2: Great. We actually got new ad copy. I might have to do the ad for maybe it'll be on like maybe people just heard the new Manscaped ad. I'm not sure. So we'll see. Maybe I'll do a new one in the next week coming up here, but maybe I'll do it this week. They sent us new ad copy to do.
3: People do love us talking about Canucks stuff, but people really love you talking about shaving their balls. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, I still have to make that video. I've, I've had someone reach out and message, and they're an avid listener to the show, I know that, uh, and ask me, what's going on with that bag of hair in your room? It's still in view of my, oh my recording gosh. studio right here. So, I will do something me? with that hair. I will do something with that hair very soon. Wow. Um, but, like I said, people do like to hear us talk, I think, about Vancouver Canucks. We've addressed some of the issues in the first half, and I'm excited. i got a smile on my face now, because we're about to talk about the Vancouver Canucks a little bit. Um, I'm not quite there the yet, first... but
2: let's, let's get there for me. I You're not quite smiling. there. <laughs> I
3: know. We just took a little extended break in there between part one and two, but oh, I'm yes. glad we did. Um, the NHL lists, quads. They've put out a couple in the past week that probably have triggered Vancouver Canucks fans a little bit. You oh, know what? Boy. The one that they put out that was the best... Might have been the Calder race, seeing that Quinn Hughes was actually getting some votes. I think that might have been the best one that we saw them put out this week. Because Jacob Markstrom comes in at number 13, was it? Or was it (laughs) number 12? Yeah, yeah, it was 13. So that, out of the goaltenders that are returning, you know how heated I was. I wrote the article uh, in a rage, which was kind of fun. I've never really written an article with that much emotion into it. It was a lot of fun putting that together. Like You know that took me about 10 minutes to write. I don't think I've ever... You know, wrote that many words per minute, but it was great to put that together. Um, and I, I felt, I, I stand by everything that great. I wrote in that article. I don't think that some of the, the fan like some of these writers uh, watch a lot of these NHL games for the Vancouver Canucks on the West Coast. Just because the games start at 10 o'clock in Eastern time, they still matter. They're still NHL games. And I just thought that list was ridiculous. But I know that the one that triggered you uh, about as much as the other one triggered me was not seeing Elias Pettersson in the top 16 forwards in the or top 16 centers uh, in the NHL.
2: Yeah, top 16 center is going to be playing in the play-in slash playoffs So, I just want to read you someone's list Because they put the writers list, right? And, you know, a lot of writers had Patterson in their lists Like, somebody had him at 7, which I think is about right Maybe I would probably have him around 10 But he's in the list, okay? Here's a list from a specific writer uh, Who shall remain nameless because of how bad this list is Are you ready, Chris? Number 1, Sidney Crosby Number 2, Connor McDavid Number 3, Evgeny Malkin Number 4, Patrice Bergeron Number 5, Ryan O'Reilly Former Conn Smythe winner, I get that a little bit Number 6, Austin Matthews Number 7, Nate McKinnon Number 8, Nicholas Backstrom Number 9, Jonathan Taves Number 10, John Tavares Number 11, Mark Scheifele Number 12, number 12, Leon Draisaitl. Number 13, Sean Couturier Number 14, Steven Stamkos. Number 15, Alexander Barkov. And number sixteen, Mika Zabanajad. What a list, hey? Like, holy <laughs> cow. You okay. I was gonna tweet, I think I did tweet it out and then delete it because I didn't want to get into it with people. You should as as a writer, okay, and you're tasked to put in a list, and you get the email from your bosses saying, Hey, we're taking lists, uh, you know. We're just going to blah, blah, blah. We want your opinion. And we do this at Canucks Army. I put that out in the roundtables channel. We do roundtables at Canucks Army. I don't make everybody do it. If you don't have an opinion or you don't feel you're qualified to talk about it, just you don't have to do it. Nobody's forcing you. When you see a list like this, you have to wonder if these guys are even given an option to sit this one out. Like, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'll just sit this one out. Maybe I should watch a little more Western Conference teams. Maybe that's the case. Because I'm looking at this list. The only Western Conference players in it are McDavid, Shifley. And that's it. Drysidel? Dry of course, yeah. Dreidle yeah. as well. But there's one more. I'm I'm looking. No, there there isn't. Those are the only players, and those are the easy ones. And he has Dreisidel at twelfth. Come <laughs> on. What what is that? That's like that's atrocious. And I mean like that That's the extreme case That's like the worst list I saw I was looking for the worst one And again, like, you know I would have Pedersen ahead of a lot of people on this list And I would also rearrange this list quite a bit Like, you know, the order that they have the players in Just isn't right
3: Yeah, and I think if you're like Man, I, I, I find it a struggle to not see Connor McDavid as number one on a lot of people's lists either I mean, that, that guy changes a game completely We've seen a yeah. lot of him play against Vancouver uh, even you know Sidney Crosby is an effective player for sure, but right now Connor McDavid is the best player in the league. I mean, when he's healthy and he's playing, there's no one else that impacts the game more than him. So, uh, just even seeing him not at number one frustrates me. Seeing Pedersen not make it into the top 16, it's like I, I said it when I wrote about the the goaltenders. Like a lot of them were just looking at wins, losses, and save percentage and goals against average. <laughs> you know that's fine. I, and you know what? If they were doing that for the centers. Pederson should be in your top sixteen at that point. When you start to look at the points that are putting up, they're not even doing it for that. So this is like, I see these lists come together, and there's a certain there's a certain part of my brain that just says, you know what? They're literally just trolling Vancouver. Like they have to just be trolling Vancouver. Like when they put out a list like this, and you see Jacob Markson with some of the numbers that he puts up, some of the stuff that he had to face this year to keep the Canucks above water, as getting just absolutely dominated on a nightly basis, facing like an average of like thirty three plus shots a game. And you're not going to have him on your top 16? Six of the 13 writers don't have him in the top 16? Are you kidding me? That's, you're saying that Jacob Marshall not one of the best, go- one of the goalies in the top half of the league. You're saying that there's 16 goalies better than what Jacob Marshall did this season. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. You know how fired up I got the other day talking about this. Um, I, it just, I see lists like this and people are holding out to think that Quinn Hughes might be able to win this Calder trophy. When I see, you know, the NHL.com is different than what a lot of these, you know, hockey writers. And we saw it a lot this week. Whoa. We saw people kind of arguing throughout saying like, you know, this was a really tough decision for me to pick between yeah. between Quinn Hughes and Kael McCarr. And you know what? It is. It's a very tough decision to pick between these two. They're both very effective. Obviously, Kael McCarr has the big numbers that stick out. But if you look a little bit deeper and you actually watch the way that Quinn Hughes affects the game, that's why I stand in the camp that Quinn Hughes is the Calder Trophy winner. But I have time for people that will say it was an argument in my brain that I had to do. And I had to think about if Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes is going to be there. When I see these lists, I don't think there's any sort of argument going on in any of these people's brains at all. They're seriously just out there to get a paycheck. And you know what? I I know that Dan Rosen was the one who wrote the article uh, for NHL.com. He didn't, you know, and I went back and forth with him on Twitter. I even listened to his podcast this week. And he asked for feedback on his podcast Work on the audio a little bit. Uh, both of you guys were going, it sounded like you're going through Zoom. If you want to hear some feedback, try and work on your audio a little bit. As a podcaster, I, I value what audio sounds like a lot. Just try and work on your audio and try not to have so much background noise or address it like I did at the start of this episode. I love, There's my I feedback love how, for his podcast. I
2: love how you're but, calling out other podcasts for audio when ours could very well have like the worst audio in Canucks conversation history right on this episode. Great episode <laughs> well, to be calling out people.
3: Yeah, no, it is. But uh, we, I feel like we do a pretty good job. And when we're in the studio, it's a lot better. But True. there's also construction going on. I mentioned it at the start of the episode. Anyways. You did. And I don't think it was Dan Rosen's fault. A lot of people came at Dan Rosen, yeah, uh, especially was. in that article. I saw people quote tweeting uh, my my article for Canucks Army. They were just tweeting at Dan Rosen. I didn't have a problem with Dan Rosen. He had Jacob Marks from at number seven on his list. But the problem that I did have with Jan- Dan Rosen was in that article. And I wrote this. I thought this was the most ridiculous thing I've seen. All, all of these goaltenders... Have, in a, have a stat about them, right? They said, like, oh, whatever Elvis Merzlikens had a great start to the season But in his last 30 games, this was his save percentage This was his battle against uh, This was his record against playoff teams Or other goaltenders, they talk about what they used to do in the playoffs And then you get to Jacob Markstrom Who's number 13 on this list And Dan Rosen writes this part, right? He has to write a little description about the player And he doesn't write anything in the stats He doesn't include anything about Jacob Markstrom's season All he writes is Jacob Markstrom has played in 272 regular season games and he's a pending free agent How the hell do you put together that And put that into an article that's going to go On NHL.com You mentioned it, I think you actually changed And added it into the article You can find that information on Cap Friendly In 10 seconds So that's what he did for the Vancouver Canucks Because he didn't see him play or he didn't even think Of the stories that Jacob Markstrom has done this year Brady Tretangelo or something Is the guy who writes a lot of stuff for the Vancouver stuff Like For NHL.com, he does an okay job He can tell some of the stories here, but if you're not Having any story or any idea Maybe reach out to someone that's actually watched The Canucks game this year that you've stayed up for And maybe listen to some of the stories that Jacob Markstrom has gone through this year to put in such an Amazing season, it's absolutely ridiculous For the cool little tidbit That you include is how many regular season games He's in and what his contract status is It's an absolute joke of the league I wrote in the article, that's the kind of stuff that I put in When I would write a a report From what I did on the weekend, in grade 1 one that's what i would write like in the and i probably would have done a better job to be honest in grade one when i was writing articles so i that's the only thing that frustrates me about this list and it just makes me believe that you know i i don't think there's a chance that quinn hughes ends up winning that calder trophy in the end you know and that's that's too bad because he's put in a valiant effort he should be up for this trophy um it's great to have him in the nominees i think that's awesome he should be nominated for this but it's gonna be too bad uh that that you know, certain people just haven't seen enough of him to value him enough to be a Calder Trophy winner.
2: And I will add this: speaking of the Calder Trophy and voting, Pierre Maguire had a vote. Let's check in on Pierre. He he was public that he went with Kale McCarr as his winner, and the reason he cited, one among others. Was plus minus. He goes plus minus is important to me when voting for trophies. You know we know like we know plus minus is an extremely flawed stat. Especially for someone who plays the power play. It is a extremely, extremely flawed stat. And it's just oh man it's it's so bad. I think like. With the power play, goals against you on the power play count like, toward your plus-minus, but goals for on the power play do not count toward your plus-minus. And when you look right. at where a lot of the points that Quinn Hughes picked up and a lot of the play that he influenced and a lot of the goals that were scored with him on the ice, they came on the power play. So if none of those count toward his plus-minus, what do you think's going to happen? Like, oh, it's just, it's just so bad, and I... Oh man, it's just plus minus is your big your big argument against Quinn Hughes? Come on.
3: Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's too bad. And you know what? Like I, I almost got to the point and I mentioned it earlier. You get to the point where these lists just seem like they're trolling Vancouver, like they have to be. Like you, how is Elias Peterson not a top center? The top sixteen centers in this league, you know, right now the season that he just had. Like you just made an argument for him to win the the Hart Trophy or not win it, but you said you made an argument for him to yeah, be one of the guys nominated in the, and, five. in the top five. And that's that's including wingers, that's including defensemen, that's including goaltenders, not only centers. And the fact that he's not going to make the list for a top 16, like a lot of these players in this top 16 are very impactful for the teams and make a huge difference for sure. You know what? So does Elias Pettersson. He dragged this Canucks team into the playoffs almost as much as Jacob Markstrom did. And I think that watching what, watching the season that he had and people, the way that they talk about Elias Petterson, it almost shocks me that he didn't make this top 16 in this list. It, it really does, honestly.
2: Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. If you're picking up your stats and basing your opinion off of the information you read on the back of a Tim Hortons hockey card or a McDonald's hockey <laughs> card, which is what it seems like a lot of these guys are freaking doing, then, yeah, I get your opinion is garbage. And, yeah, I, I that's where the JT Miller as MVP argument, I think, comes from. It's just people reading the hockey cards and being like, oh, yeah. okay, well, more points. He kills penalties. Yep, more valuable. But it goes beyond points. Like, you have to look deeper than the back of a Tim Hortons hockey card. I'm going to get that tattooed on me. You have to look deeper than a Tim Hortons hockey card when analyzing hockey players. I think, I think it's going to happen.
3: That's pretty good. Uh, I think we'll we'll leave the list thing at that. Um, I do want to talk about, you know, this is another interesting conversation because you and I talk about this pretty much daily uh, on which UFAs the Canucks might have to walk away from if the price is too high. We've heard a lot of stuff um, come out. Rick Dollywall uh, yeah. talked about a lot of this stuff throughout the week um, about some of the contract deals that we're seeing and what you know some players might be asking for. He asked Thomas Drantz if he was smoking some of BC's best the other day uh, when he said that Jacob Markstrom might be able to come in at five point six million dollars. He's saying that Jacob Markstrom is going to be over six million for sure. And let's start right there, Quads. What's a number that's too high for Jacob Markstrom for you?
2: Okay, let's talk about this. So, so here's what's here's what's going on. Like. You know, Drancer intro Dollywall today As Rick Dollywall of Newport Sports Because if anybody can give a, con- a, a pitch for a player That probably doesn't deserve as much as he's asking for It's Rick Dollywall He'll come out I want to have him on this show soon And get some opinions on the over-under game That we're thinking of playing with him But again, like, 6 million for Markstrom Okay, let's talk about this You see people on Twitter when they hear that number All of a sudden going Okay, well, that's a little too high but again, like if we're talking about Jacob Marks being Vesna caliber, his his camp is going to be bringing that up. Like he was a top 3, maybe top 2 goaltender in the league this year. We've agreed upon that. So, when when you start making an argument that he deserves under 6 mil, like it's it's tough. It's it's definitely tough to do. And again, like Dranser put out a article where he talked about the Structure of Markstrom's next contract That would allow the Canucks to have some flexibility um, In the expansion draft And again, you can make Drancer's Idea work at 6 million uh, As an annual average So, again, like Maybe it's not so crazy But at what point do you Walk away from Jacob Markstrom, and I think it's around 6 mil If I'm being honest, and that's the thing Like, One thing I want to talk about Okay, Ian Clark had something to do in Columbus, I don't know how much of this I can say, had something to do in Columbus with the amateur scouting side. He told them early on, before he left, of course, that Merzlikens and Corpusalo were good, good players to target. Okay, so Columbus has faith in these young goaltenders, right, to walk away from Sergei Bobrovsky, who ends up getting $10 million in Florida, has one of the worst years of his career. Bobrovsky wasn't good this year you can just watch any of his games he he
3: struggled a lot at times this year yeah you can ask the people who made the nhl.com list though they'll tell you he's a top 10
2: oh of course of course don't get me wrong here's the thing though how much of it is ian clark telling because we okay I, I gotta be careful what i say here ian clark i think this is public knowledge ian clark has something to do with the archers silov's pick I don't think I butchered that name. The guy with the pencil stash, my mustache. We're we're good buds cuz of our stashes. Um he had he was telling the Canucks to pick Silovs in the draft. Again, um 6th or 7th round I think it was of 2019. Um so where am I going with this? Oh yeah. So you also have Demko Who we know Clark believes in. And who Clark coached through that stretch toward the end of the year. And I think we're seeing a lot more people on Team Demko. And again, like you've read the story. When I was talking to Thatcher Demko, he told me about that stretch at the end of the year. And he's like, I felt like I was just starting to turn it around and get really comfortable with being a starter at the toughest time of the year. So, I mean, we've already had this discussion that Demko keeps keeps their heads above water. Like, now. So, I mean... At what point do you become confident enough to walk away from Demko, not really have to worry about protecting anybody in the expansion draft because you're not really going to, they're going to have to sign a backup. We've talked about it before, Mikey DiPetro is not ready to be an NHL backup, not even close. So, you're going to have to sign a backup to play with Demko. Again, at what point does that become your plan that Ian Clark is telling you this guy's legit, This guy can this guy can do it for you. At what point do the Canucks say Okay, Ian Clark, we trust you on this one And Ian Clark's spoken highly of Silov's Di Pietro, he believes in these guys And again, if you keep Ian Clark in the organization We've seen what he's able to do with these goaltenders You know, like, pre-Ian Clark Jacob Markstrom wasn't a good goalie There's no other way to slice it Like, that's how it was So, you keep Ian Clark And he continues to help you identify talent And... Tell you who's going to be legit and who's not. At what point? At what dollar sign do you walk away from Jacob Markstrom and go with Thatcher Demko as your starter for next season? Chris, I'm gonna say it's any anywhere above six and a half million. The Canucks can't do that, and I'd say yeah. six million. That's like the range that they need to be careful in.
3: No, I agree. I think six point five, even if you're signing like a two year deal, is is too much for a goalie just because of Like, Vancouver's situation is a lot different than a lot of other goaltending situations, I think, because of what Ian Clark's been able to do with these goaltenders and the way that we have Thatcher Demko here in the wing, who could be the starter of the future and makes a lot of sense for this core for the next 10 years, right? Thatcher Demko makes sense as your goalie that you want for 7 to 10 years. Jacob Markstrom doesn't make sense for the goalie that you want for the next 7 to 10 years, but... The problem is, the way that Jim Benning has taken this team and accelerated them into being a playoff contender is win-now mentality. So he is going to want Jacob Markstrom on this team next year, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes... Elias Petterson, Quinn Hughes, they've made this team, they've accelerated this rebuild by one to two years. We're at a point right now where they're good enough. They're better than we would have thought they would have been in their first two seasons. Quinn Hughes had a rookie season that we, you know, people just couldn't project. They could not have projected he was going to be this good. So they've moved him up. That's the problem with how this goaltender situation is, because the move right now is like, okay, Jacob Marstrom and Thatcher Demko, can you protect both of them in the expansion draft? Yes, you can. If you get this into the right situation with a contract with Markstrom and you are willing to, you know, give up something that is going to help you protect those two, that's the thing that you have to do with these two guys. The problem is if you're trading away so many picks and you're trading away all these prospects like Tyler Madden's gone, a second round pick's gone, a first round pick's gone, a third round pick's gone. A lot of these things that you've traded away are going to be things that could have helped you or at least helped you a little bit more to trade away in this expansion draft to protect these two, right? Like... That's a, th- a situation where the goaltending situation with the expansion draft is going to be so weird. So if you want to keep Thatcher Demko, the contract with Markstrom needs to be reasonable for you, but also reasonable to think that Seattle wouldn't want to take him off your hands. So it's it's going to be so tough because like if Jacob Markstrom comes back and he has a season exactly like he did this year, the Canucks are in a much better spot. If Thatcher Demko steps in And he even takes a huge step next year And becomes a starter Without Jacob Marsham Let's say Jacob Marsham goes off to play in you know, Edmonton or somewhere else in this league It's, it's going to be very tough For Thatcher Demko to play at the level that he was at So this team takes a huge step back Which is not something that Jim Benning is going to want to do Because if the Canucks take a huge step back next year Do we see Jim Benning as a general manager by the end of the year? Probably not Especially if they end up missing the playoffs again So COVID's made this situation Completely different as well And this is yep. the one problem That it's like It's so hard to have this discussion Because there's really nothing In fine print Or nothing that's on the, set on the table Like Listen We know that Quinn Hughes is probably going to get a contract over $7.5 million per year just from the first season that he had. Elias Pedersen, he's got to be in the conversation to make over $10 million. These are things that are pretty damn certain. The thing that's not certain is if a goaltender can come back and be one of the best again in the NHL next year after being bombarded by shots this year. Like, Can Jacob Marshall keep this up for another season? I don't know, I I have no idea if he's able to Like, It seems like he's in a great spot with the coach that he has And it's probably the best spot for Jacob Markstrom in the league Because he's comfortable here He's got a guy that he went to a playoff run in the AHL with And Travis Green as his coach Travis Green trusts the hell out of Marky He wants him as his goalie of the future And so do a lot of Canucks fans But do we end up losing Thatcher Demko for nothing? Because that's a huge loss for this team If you want to consider them near the end of their rebuild right now
2: yeah, you're you're completely right. And again, like since we're on the topic of UFAs, like, first of all, you're right. Marky is Travis Green's guy. Like, that's his yeah. that's his boy. Like, he's gonna ride the hot hand right into the playoffs. Like, I don't think we see Demko get a playoff game unless there's an injury, knock on wood. But what I will say here, and I've done the I've done the research here, I'm gonna say that Tyler Toffoli is a higher priority for the Canucks to sign this offseason and I'm not just saying that because they traded him away and it'll look really bad on Jim.
3: If that's, that's Mike. Are you saying that from Jim Benning's
2: perspective? No, I'm saying this, I'm saying this from an analytical point of view. I'm saying this from my opinion is that Tyler Toffoli really is going to be more key to lock up for this team. And I'll tell you why, Chris. So he's, he's coming off. (laughs) Yeah. So he's coming off some pretty mediocre seasons, right? Like, Here's what I'll tell you So, When I look at him This is a guy who I think really thrives Off being with some great players He can't really make the people Around him much better But he really knows how to play With good players And we saw that when he was with Elias Pettersson At the end of this year And he scored 31 goals in 2015-16 58 points in 82 games Season after that, 16 goals 18 assists in 63 games That's a drop in production Next season after that, 82 games, 47 points. Next season after that, 2018-19, 82 games, 13 goals, and 21 assists, 34 points. Jake Vertanen got more points than that in 69 games played, okay? Hear me out here. 2019-20 with the Kings, 18 goals, 16 assists, 3 of those goals... By the way came in that outdoor game that they played and he scored the hat trick which is awesome don't get me wrong But again that's not a great season then he comes to vancouver plays 10 games scores 6 goals and 4 assists 10 points in 10 games He hasn't seen production like that in a long time for starters he's gonna want to stay in vancouver He's made it clear that he likes the city he likes the situation he likes the team okay The Canucks have it against him That he hasn't put up a ton of points So I say you can get to Foley At a dollar amount that's pretty easy to swallow And if you can lock him up long term I don't think he's going to be looking to sign long term If I'm being honest with you If you can lock him up For let's say two years Okay You're going to be getting a guy Who maybe Like let's pin him at about Five million Six million Maybe And we'll have to have Rick D To see what the agent's asking for Um you you put you put at that dollar amount, right? And all of a sudden, you've got a guy who's similar to JT Miller thrives with his new situation. And again, JT Miller on a very good contract right now. He's playing like what JT Miller is paid. I think it's like four point eight million. Like he plays like he's worth way more than that. And again, this is when we talk about the pro scouting department improving. It goes back to this, like. J.T. Miller is a guy who thrived under this new situation, and again, like we got to give props to Boy Genius. He identified both Toffoli and Miller as trade targets in his Project PD series at the start of the year, like before before Miller was traded for, before Toffoli was traded for. Harmon pointed out that these are two guys that could thrive in the Canucks system and in the in these this change of scenery, and sure enough, they did. And although Toffoli was only for ten games. I want to see what he can do over 82 games with Elias Pettersson or hell, even with Bo Horvat. Like he shores up the Canucks top six. And I think he's going to be a player who, unlike Louis Erickson, you're going to pay him a good dollar amount and he's going to play over that. Like he's going to be worth more than what he's paid. I think, I think he's a relatively low risk signing depending on the dollar amount, of course, but I think he's going to be a guy who thrives in the situation that he's in. And again, I think when he goes to the UFA market, there's not going to be like like he's not Taylor Hall. He's not Taylor Hall level. Yeah. Again, like dude, he got 34 points in the past two seasons. Again, 44 if you count his time with the Canucks, but 34 points in the past two seasons and then before that 47 in 2017-18. I went over his point totals. Again, this is a guy I think Chris like I think he's worth it. I think he's less of a he's less of a risk to sign than Jacob Markstrom is. I'll say that. I'll say he's less of a risk.
3: Mm. That's That I can get down with. I think that you you do bring up a good point about him being less of a risk because at 4.6 is what he's coming off of. At 28 years old, he's probably looking for a three-year deal. That's what I would assume. I'm thinking he's looking for three-year deals. Maybe the Canucks can get him down to two. But then you look at the other contracts on this lineup. Brock Besser making 5.8. I don't think he makes more than that. Bo Horvat making 5.5. I don't think he makes more than that. JT Miller at 5.25. That's where I see him making. I think he makes a similar money to that because JT Miller is playing above what that contract is. Yeah. But I think Tyler Toffoli has warranted enough to make that. But then again, you sign him for three years. Is he a good fit? You know, when he's 31 years old on this Canucks team making $5.25 million when you have to pay Elias Petterson 10-plus when you have to pay Quinn Hughes over $7-8 eight million Like Like, that's, that's the thing that kind of scares me a little bit with him. But you mentioned it, like he really rounds out this top six group. Yeah. When you have him on this team and you have Tanner Pearson kind of being like Tanner, like you look at a top six, Tanner Pearson's probably the sixth best, right? Like I would say Besser's better. Yep, Horvat's yep, better. Yep. Miller's fair. better to Foley Patterson. All those guys are better. So Tanner Pearson's going to be that guy that rounds it out. It's good to have Tyler to Foley in there because he can be one of your top. I want to say four, per, like guaranteed top five forwards, possibly top four. If he, if he's men's well with, with Pedersen and, and JT Miller I yep. still like to fully on the second line I think he'd be very effective there But yeah, it's it's tough Because if he's going to come in at anything over 5.25 That's that's what worries me I think that's where you have to walk away from him Because he, he can get probably 5.5 on the open market But I would love to see him want to stay here And end up playing with this Canucks core Because it's a young core that's going up right now uh, and he should know that this is a great spot to be at. I don't mean Tanner Pearson's one of his best men at his wedding He's a good pal of him totally. If he gets running on that line I would love to see what they're able to do Okay
2: Chris I ask you this Would you rather sign Tyler Toffoli for 3 years At 5 million dollars Or Jacob Markstrom at 3 years Or let's say 2 years even At 6 million dollars Who would you rather sign
3: Man yeah that's a really good one um, For me it's Toffoli For me it's Toffoli Three years at five flat for Toffoli, you said? Yeah, yeah. And two years at six flat for Jacob Markstrom. Man, yeah, I think that you would, in the long run, I do think that it's better for Jacob Markstrom. I think six. I think having him for two more years, this team's going to be in the playoffs next year with Jacob Markstrom. Without Jacob Markstrom, I don't know if they're in the playoffs next year, to be honest. And you have wingers coming up that are going to impact this team. When Tyler Toffoli's in that second and third year, that contract, especially the third year, but specifically that second year, we're going to see Pod Colson come in. We're going to see Huglander come in. I mean, even next year, we could have an idea that Pod Colson's going to be making a push for the top six. You know, if he has a great year in the KHL, and I... Hope that he does I think that it's a very It's a very good chance that he does have a huge Step up from what he did this year because we saw How much growth he had at the end of his KHL Year this year if he comes over and he's A guy you're going to start discussing to be in your top six And then in that second year to Foley's contract Huglander might be a guy you can discuss Your top six and then in that third year I mean you're going to have both Pod Colson and Huglander Pushing for a top six role so I think That the three years on to Foley I think it's more valuable to have Mm -hmm. Jacob Marks from on this team To be honest
2: great point yeah and Again, like, here's, here's what I'd take. I, I would gladly take this. If they have to let Toffoli walk, which I think would be a darn shame because I think he'd really oh. thrive in this position. Ideally, mm. they can get both signed. And I think, you know what? I think people aren't giving Jim Benning enough credit. I think he's going to be able to get both signed. I'm, I'm telling you that now. And <laughs> I, I think he's going to be able to get both signed. I'll say that. But if they can't get Toffoli back, you know who's going to be really valuable to them is Josh Levo. And he's a guy I keep talking about, and I've called—I know, well, I've called him a poor man's Tyler Toffoli before. And I mean, yeah, it's ideal if you can get both signed. But you know what? Josh Levo is going to be much cheaper than Toffoli as well. He's obviously not as good as Toffoli, but he's a guy who really can play in your top six if absolutely needed. And again, he's a guy who meshed pretty well with Elias Pettersson when he played up on that line. Ideally, you don't have to put him there, but again, like, he's a guy who on a third line at two million, three million. You gladly take that Especially when people are talking about 2 million, 3 million For Nikita freaking Triampkin You definitely take Josh Levo over that for sure
3: Yeah, well you know what uh, We wanted to discuss a lot of these guys And how much we're going to walk away from But we're coming up on an hour uh, right now for this episode So we'll probably wrap it up here um, I know we did mention that we were going to have a guest on this show uh, he, you know, Some stuff came up, he got busy We're probably going to have him on next week uh, But that should be a fun one we got a couple of great guests actually coming up in the future And we're kind of working on an idea um, In the future we're going to have You know, somewhat of one of these mega episodes that I used to do Uh, You haven't really been a part of one of these yet So I think we might end up working towards that Uh, Maybe bring out a big old episode with some some friends coming on the show So that should be a lot of fun Um, And I, you know, we didn't even get a chance to to discuss Olia Levy So we'll have some of that stuff next week But, you know, we're going to talk more about the contracts We kind of talked about it in the break um, We we struggled to have the conversation About these hub cities in the first half Because honestly so much news is going to come out uh, By next week we'll probably have a little bit more Of a discussion on that Um, But yeah I think it was a good conversation here uh, It seems like the goaltender conversation Is something we can fall back on every single week uh, Because it is something that's ongoing And it is going to be a huge problem for the Canucks in the future um, But yeah good episode this week Quads it was a lot of fun chatting with you I'm heading back to the island again uh, So do not text me do not call me I will not answer you huh. Yeah, I know
2: <laughs> you're gonna ghost me.
3: Yeah, I ghost you pretty hard. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be fun to get back on the island. What do you got planned coming up this weekend? Anything fun? No. No. I mean, I'm on maybe my go last out and practice couple... a little bit of golf. Yeah,
2: maybe I'll head to the driving range. Man, I was I was good at the driving range the day before we went to the pitcher pit. I just ah. I don't even want to talk about it. You know what it, it
3: is? It's the first round of the year. You're not overthinking anything. And I played I played pretty good. Like, I didn't play bad. I, I didn't play really good either. Like, I didn't play my best golf. I still shot, like, whatever, 12 over on a pitch and putt course. But, um, like, I just think that the first round is, like, you're not thinking about anything. You're not trying to correct anything. I think is the biggest thing. You going to the driving range? It's great because you know you crush balls at the range. But then you start to think, and I think when you start to think too much about golf, it's good. So maybe next time you'll uh, you'll have to smoke some of that marijuana that those guys are smoking, then uh, yeah, that right. will cool you down a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, no, we gotta. I, I want to rematch, and I don't want to get paired up with people. Like I, think, yeah, that's I, true. I think it's a different ball game if those guys aren't smoking and drinking on the course. <laughs> that, that's in the back of my head. Trust me, I know. By the way, easy.
3: good guys though too. Like we were worried because that guy comes up and he was the loudest guy in the lineup. We're like, oh, this isn't going to be great. Uh, but very supportive. He was very supportive. He was. He, we were vibing with them. We had a good time. Yeah, and in, in my in my defense as well. I made the worst decision and played a round of golf in jeans. That was that a was horrible so decision. So funny
2: and two yeah. shirts, two shirts
3: and two shirts. Well, I I had to wear the two shirts because the lobster shirt, as you saw, it's good luck on any golf course. So the lobster shirt gets it done. So I was for sure okay with that. But man, jeans on the golf course. I'm looking around. I'm the only guy in jeans on a hot day uh, in the golf court on the golf course. So uh, I will not be making that mistake again anytime soon.
2: Huh. Yeah, I hope not. All right, wrap this no, up, Chris. I-
3: yeah okay we'll wrap it up Thanks for tuning in guys um, Patreon stuff if you haven't checked it out We did a video uh, Quads recorded it uh, oh, yes. Sort of Jake Rittanen style As we were driving to our next uh, resort He wasn't driving I was driving but Quads <laughs> was recording uh, And we did a little Q&A uh, Answered some questions as we were driving Check that out on the Patreon uh, We will be addressing the sixty nine nice tier as well um, You know, we can kind of address it here in the podcast if you guys have tuned in this long. We're going to be dropping that. Um, the reason that we did start it was, you know, somewhere for, for you and I to both write. Uh, somewhere for Corey Hergott to write as well. Um, but what we're doing right now at Canucks Army has been an incredible couple weeks uh, for us. I really think that Canucks Army is just booming right now. I don't know if you want to just kind of mention something about what you've thought over the past couple weeks, Quads?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with the state of the site. Like, when we... You know this isn't even a knock against Jackson Like his hands were tied All of his writers got taken away from him And I've been kind of working At bringing a lot of people back And bringing in some new people Like we got Andrew Harris there now Uh, Sean Warren recently started writing for us Like I'm kind of working at bringing people back And it's tough when you don't have much budget And I kind of have to be strategic About the way I allocate everybody And plan the site's content and everything But I think we've done a pretty good job And I'm pretty proud of the work we're doing Especially like Brett's article that he just did the tape man that was that was awesome stuff
3: mm-hmm yeah definitely I mean people don't know how much Work it is to, to get these tape things done but I, You know I think that we, we've seen You know even just in the comments and people kind of retweeting These articles and stuff it is back you know Canucks Army I think we've done a great job with past a little bit uh, We're going to keep that momentum going but Like I said nothing's going to be coming out really On that sixty nine tier uh, we Do appreciate your guys' support uh, if you want To continue to donate but I don't Know like maybe once in a while we can throw a Patreon Out there but it's something that we kind of need to discuss a little Bit more yeah. um, like a bonus episode But we'll see we do appreciate the support but if you guys are looking for for the writing content and articles coming out there, we're just we're gonna keep that stuff on Canucks Army to continue momentum mm-hmm. uh, that we're building at CA. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're paying $1.69 for the articles, um, Cancel your subscription, I guess, or move up to the $5 tier and you can get our weekly content because that's the other thing. Uh, we are going to put out something every single week for the Patreon moving forward because uh, we're so happy with um, the support that we've gotten on the Patreon. You guys have made it able for us to to buy a brand new soundboard uh, and some microphones, some cords. We're, we're all set up now. We can have somewhat of a professional studio that we're going to be setting up at your grandfather, your no place. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to be setting up a, a studio there. That's going to be awesome for us because BCIT doesn't have uh, – all their classes are moving to online. So it's going to be tough for us to kind of do radio school without anything. So thanks to all the support from the Patreon people, we've been able to to purchase a soundboard and get everything set up for us. So that's a huge thank you. We're going to make sure that we put out weekly content. All right, I'm rambling now, also, so I'm going to shut this thing down. Sorry, <laughs> Don't keep i got to quickly jump in. Uh, If any of my family is listening
2: to this, Nono doesn't know we're using his house for a studio yet, so uh, don't tell him (laughs) yet. Thanks, guys.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good. Uh, So we'll wrap it up there. Uh, For David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. This is episode 85, and thank you for tuning in to another one of the
1: Canucks Conversation. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up.